going on, everybody? It's your buddy. It's your pal, Spaz Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, and a lot has happened since the last time we spoke. Now, granted, that's only a week ago. You guys are getting this Friday. The last pod I got was last Friday, and since then, I went to SmackDown and saw Edge's last match live. I went to the Destiny show and watched Trent Seven become the next Destiny champion. I became an uncle again which is cool, three times over now, which is awesome, and then not so awesome towards the end of the week, the world lost not only Terry Funk, but most recently today, Bray Wyatt. So, it's been a heck of a week. Like I said, the SmackDown thing was awesome, the Destiny thing was awesome, obviously, outside of wrestling, became an uncle again, that's awesome. Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt both passing away uh, right as I'm about to come up and uh, talk to you guys. Not so much, and I'm not really gonna I'm not really gonna linger on either of those today. But I would be remiss if I didn't mention them. I I I don't have words for either one. Like Terry Funk is one thing. Bray Wyatt, you guys know I've always been a staunch defender of of Bray Wyatt in his many forms. Probably one of the most creative guys we've seen in wrestling. Like forever. Um, I'm not going to try and ramble off any kind of R.I.P. tribute thing right now, because it's fresh, and I don't know what I want to say, quite frankly. I don't know if I have anything to say, quite frankly, but uh, that's what it's been. Um, but we got a show coming up, and it's, it's AEW, and you guys know I haven't really done any preview-type stuff, any coverage other than Collision, because I'm petty like that for AEW, in a long time. But, they're doing the thing, aren't they? They're doing the big thing at the Wembley, and they're getting a shit ton of people in an arena, or a stadium, or whatever the case may be, and weird, weird people on the internet are winding me up, because they want to tell me that the 80 is more than 90. And yes, that's a WrestleMania comparison. Um, problem with that is it winds me up, and then it reminds me why you know some of the AEW discourse is pretty toxic. But it makes me take my attention away from whether I like AEW or not. And you guys know I'm pretty blunt about my opinions of AEW, the way they've treated certain people, specifically CM Punk, but other people as well. Um, it takes away from the fact that that is astronomical. That the company that has been around for five years is hitting an accomplishment this coming Sunday that is WWE-esque. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't say this is a t the type of number that WWE has hit quite consistently, at least for WrestleMania, in the past few years, whatever, but they've been around forever. AEW's been around five years. For them to hit an AE or a WWE-esque number like this is astronomical. I'd be an asshole if I said anything else. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm reticent to make this comparison um, with this, with the way I'm approaching this show. Because every little bit of criticism that's going to come out of my mouth on this podcast, and there's going to be a lot. So if that's going to make you tune out, then tune out now. It doesn't it doesn't take away from the fact that this is going to be a spectacle and my eyes are going to be glued to my television Sunday afternoon. It's the opposite. Oh, do I want to make this comparison or not? It's the opposite of a WWE Saudi show. In the sense that every time there's a WWE Saudi show, I say, hey, I know there's a lot of bad baggage that comes along with this, but hey, there's some really cool matches going on. There's some cool stories going on in WWE right now. If you can put the politics aside, then it's going to be a good show. This is the opposite, where it's like, yes, this is a huge accomplishment. They're going outside of North America for the first time. Uh, they're going over to the UK, which doesn't get nearly the attention it deserves as an audience most of the time. From WWE and AEW, they are filling Wembley Stadium, which, to my knowledge, hasn't been done since that SummerSlam way back in the day. That's awesome. The spectacle of this is off the chain. But if you put that all to one side... The card doesn't make any fucking sense, other than the main event. The main event is propping up this show. Now, 
staunch defenders of other people on this card will hate me saying that. Adam Cole and MJF are holding up this show. If this show, and yes, it is greatly hindered by the fact that they're doing another pay-per-view the following week. If this show wasn't happening in a huge building, people would be shitting on it. And this is where I come to the point of, and this is for WWE as well, because we all know that they've sold over 90,000 tickets to WrestleMania next year, and that's another astronomical number. 90 is bigger than 80, as we say. I don't care if it's spread over two nights. If I buy a ticket to a two-night show, WWE has sold me two tickets. That's two, not one. Um, but in both cases, in both cases, it is the, I think, the discourse surrounding this. I have no notes for this, by the way. I've got Wikipedia up in front of me, and that's it. So if I ramble, that's why. It is the incorrect... Uh, association between big and good. I went to what would be considered by AEW or WWE standards a very small show this past weekend at Destiny at the Don Kolov Arena, which is not nearly as big as Wembley. I had a hell of a time. You could fill a hundred thousand seater stadium and put on a shit show and it would be bad. The thing is, big or good. If it's big and you've got the attention of it being big, it better be good. It's the same uh, or it's a similar conversation that we had way, 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 way back when WWE did the Evolution pay-per-view. And yes, I know, I'm a guy. I should, I should tiptoe around this pay-per-view and treat it like glass. It's a historic pay-per-view. It was a cool move by WWE. It was good that it happened. Those are all true. The card itself was boring. But if you say that the card itself was boring, then people assume that you didn't want it to happen. And those are two separate conversations. You can have something historic and good and well-intended turn out badly. Just the same as you can have a big show in a big stadium. Either company can be bad. And with what's going on on this card, I'm pretty sure... I'm just going to I'm I'm going to label the name of this podcast like what the fuck because <laughs> that's how I feel looking at this card and that's super unfortunate because despite my opinions of AEW there's a lot of people on this card that I want to see. I told you guys back when I went to see Collision a while ago. What do I want to see? I want to sing Judas and I want to see CM Punk live. These are the things that I want to do. Forbidden Door was a bit different because Forbidden Door was the first time I'd ever seen any actual New Japan uh, wrestling at all, let alone live. Um, and that does tint my opinion of one of these of uh, these matches tonight. As I say, no notes on this, no preemptive thoughts. This is just whatever I'm going to spit out to you guys because that's the kind of day I'm having. I also worked a 12-hour day at work, so that's what we have as well. So all I've done, literally, in, in lieu of notes, I've taken a screen cap of the Wikipedia page and I've got a highlighter function. And when I'm done talking about a match, I'm going to highlight that match and then we're not going to talk about that match anymore. Good God, Jesus Christ, there are 11 matches on this card. Shout out to the What Culture guys who are over in that part of the world and are all going to this show, except for Adam Wilborn, who gets shout outs for an entirely different reason, because Adam Wilborn is now one of the Dadly Boys. That is cool. Congrats to that. As I say, I'm an uncle. I'm cool just being an uncle right now. It's fine. Let's talk about something short and sweet that I didn't know until I opened up the Wikipedia page, which says a lot. One of the matches on the kickoff, and yes, we're going to leave the other match on the kickoff till last, because it has to do with the main event. The other match on the kickoff is Jack Perry versus Hook, and it's Jack Perry defending the FTW Championship that apparently he tried to retire on Collision. Spoilers, but Collision's already been taped, and blah, 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 and it doesn't sound like a show that's going to set the world on fire, and I'm not going to be reviewing it. Um, apparently Jack Perry tried to retire the FTW Championship, got attacked by Hook and put through a table, and this match was set up. What's going to happen with this? I'm pretty sure, pretty sure Hook's going to win the title back, pretty sure Taz is going to get involved at some point, or some other, um, you know, some other ECW guys. I've heard rumors that Tommy Dreamer is going to be there or that RVD is going to be part of it again, or that Jerry Lynn is going to get involved. But I would really... I don't know, because it's what I want is outside of this actual match. Let Hook beat him on his own, get the title back, leave. Have Jack Perry all pissed off, grab the microphone, uh, start talking some random-ass bullshit, 
and uh, get choked out by Taz. If you remember, if you guys recall, in uh, when Taz was still in WWE, when they did the invasion angle, and Paul Heyman was there cutting his promo on Vince McMahon, and one of the things he said was how Vince McMahon ruined Taz by making him a commentator, and Taz snuck up behind Heyman and gave him the weirdest looking Taz mission ever because he was in that big leather coat. Uh, something like that on Jack Perry would be cool. Taz isn't a wrestler anymore. He's spoken at that at nauseum before he even went to AEW. I, selfishly, was a fan of the Taz show, like his his morning show that he used to do before hooking up with AEW. That was a bit of a bummer. I missed that. I'd uh, love to see a little bit of a return of that, if I'm completely honest. But, I mean, they've done the FTW title thing for this long, and it's not a real title. Let's let's be real for a second. So let's get Taz involved in the big, uh, the big Wembley show and, and see how that goes. That's been highlighted now. We can move swiftly, swiftly on. Um, nice and early, I'm going to get CM Punk out of the way, because CM Punk is defending the real world championship against Samoa Joe. Now, if you've been following uh, the reviews I've been doing of Collision, obviously I have a bias towards CM Punk. I have a bias towards the way the Collision show is just done in general. I love, love, love the CM Punk real world champion uh, shtick that they're doing over there. They put the big X through the E, which makes me smile. Um, they did CM Punk and Samoa Joe in the, uh, in the Owen Hart tournament, and it wasn't even the final, so I don't know what we're supposed to do with that. Samoa Joe is pissed off because of that, but also Samoa Joe wants to know who the real, real champion is. It's kind of title versus title, because Samoa Joe is the ROH television championship uh, television championship holder. He's doing the he's doing the ROH King of Television thing, which I really like. Um, I mean, Samoa Joe is a badass. Do not get it don't don't get it twisted. Don't get me wrong. Samoa Joe is a badass. Cool to see him coming out there being a badass. But I'm, I'm going to be cheering for Punk. Obviously, the, to call this a title versus title match is a little. <laughs> questionable, but it's CM Punk's real world championship that's on the line, and Samoa Joe's not going to win. He's not, because the real story for um, for CM Punk is to go on and unify that title with the currently recognized AEW championship at some point. The Triple B, baby, uh, that is currently on the shoulder of MJF, and uh, I don't know. See, because here's the thing. I want to see CM Punk versus Adam Cole. I do. I think that match would be fan-fucking-tastic. But the title unification story would be better with him and Max, because they already have the history, and Max is the one that picked up that title that he never lost. So that makes the most logical sense, but we've already seen it. The dog collar match was fucking awesome. I think it was the best match that year. Um, for AEW, anyways. And... So I'm torn between what makes the most sense and a brand new match that I've never seen, CM Punk versus Adam Cole, that I would really like to see. Either way, Samoa Joe's not winning. Really, really cool to see both of these guys that I'm a huge fan of get a platform on such a big stage. I don't know what to think about Samoa Joe not defending his championship. Um, but, I mean, that's a case of it's an AEW show, not a uh, AEW ROH show. But that makes me wonder why we're doing something else that we're going to talk about later. So it's all it's all a bit of a mess. So that's enough of that. House of Black, all three of them defending their trios titles against the Acclaimed and Billy Gunn. I like the Acclaimed. I really like the House of Black. The trios titles in AEW don't mean shit. The trios titles might as well be part of House of Black's ring gear because they, they are the only ones, I said the only ones, that have made me give a shit about those titles, but simultaneously made me think, okay, nobody else is going to make me give a shit about those titles, so why do I give a shit about those titles? Um... I mean, the chemistry between all these guys is ridiculous, but they've done this match into the ground. The only way this match is in any way interesting is because Billy Gunn faked a retirement. I've met Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn, head and shoulders taller than me. Really scary dude to meet in person, I'm not going to lie. Um, but I, he and the acclaimed are over as shit. 
The acclaimed as an act are over. He is part of what got them over. House of Black are, are over as a trio. And that's the difference. I don't know how to say that any other way. House of Black are over as a trio. The acclaimed are an over tag team that are over because of their other person, partially, but it's not the same as being over as a trio. I don't know how to say it anywhere, any other way than that. If they're going to do a heartfelt story about Billy Gunn having a second, uh, a second thought about retiring, then they have to win. But I don't want them to... I want the acclaimed to go grab the tag team titles again. Have Billy in their corner. Absolutely. No problem. But House of Black... I'll say it again, at the risk of being repetitive. House of Black are the only ones that have made me give a shit about those uh, those trios titles. Now, let me be fair. Uh, I'm not taking a dig at the Elite, because we know those belts were basically made for them, which is a little bit obnoxious. But, I mean, even the Death Triangle didn't get a chance to make an identity with those titles because we knew that when the elite pretended that they were suspended and went on vacation for a little while, we pretended that the Death Triangle wasn't just a bookmark holding their titles until they decided to come back, which put them in a really bad spot. And also brings me around to the fact that it's really unfortunate. Pac, much like Jamie Hayter, much like Brian Danielson, all very, very unfortunate people to not be available for this show. I would dare say, if Pac wasn't injured, and if somebody else wasn't having visa issues that we're going to talk about later, I would much rather see, if you want me to give a shit about these titles, and want me to give a shit about this match as a match for those titles, rather than the sympathetic Billy Gunn story, which is fine, which you can do, don't get me wrong. But if you want me to care about those titles, want me to care about this title match as a title match for titles, yes, I'm being repetitive on purpose, do House of Black versus Death Triangle, but you can't because one of them's got visa issues and one of them's kind of broken right now. That's super unfortunate. Uh, if they do another overseas show, people are saying, even the people that are looking forward to the show are saying, yeah, this is going to be a hell of a spectacle, but they'll never fill that building again, which... Me being the guy on the outside, me being the guy that's critical of AEW, I'm looking at them and saying, why would you say that? Like, isn't this the company you like? Why would you pigeonhole them like that? And it's uh, it's one of those situations. And I'll admit it, I'm a dickhead to AEW because I don't agree with what they do. I don't agree with a lot of what they do. I don't agree with what the EVPs do. I don't agree with a lot of what Tony Khan does. I, I'm, I'm pretty open about that. But there are other things that happen in this company that are awesome that get criticized where I'm in a situation where I'm looking at proper staunch AEW fans and saying, hey, cut your own chosen company some slack, which is a very, very weird place to be. This will be a fun match. And this is, this is something I'm going to say a lot over the course of this preview. This will be a fun match. It just doesn't make much sense. And it's not... It's not going to achieve what they think it's going to achieve. It's going to achieve, hey, wasn't that a fun thing on the night? And going back to my my statement earlier about, you know, this is kind of like an anti-WWE Saudi show, it does have a bit of a gigantic house show feel. If I, I hope I'm not being a dick when I say that, uh, because what cannot get lost in that translation is we are talking about wrestlers that I enjoy seeing on my television. Also, if I can be pedantic for a second, Jack Perry versus Hook is a rematch. CM Punk versus Samoa Joe, as great as I predict it to be, is a rematch. House of Black versus Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed is a rematch of a rematch of a rematch of a rematch of a retirement of a rematch. I'm just putting that out there. I... I'm not going to get any nicer as we go along. Let's talk about... What are we going to talk about next? Will Ospreay with Don Callis in his corner taking on Chris Jericho. <laughs> oh, man. I don't even know that much about Will Ospreay. I really don't. But you have suddenly made Jericho a babyface to go up against the hometown boy that you've suddenly made a heel and shoved with Don Callis for reasons, and this match is weird. Now, it'll come as a surprise to nobody. I'm not a secretive person about this. Everybody knows that I, I, I'm weird when it comes to the Elite. I'm weird when it comes to Kenny Omega. 
Kenny Omega, great wrestler. I do not understand the god tier that people have him on. I really don't. The closest I can come to an opinion of anybody that is as high as some people have have Kenny Omega on is CM Punk, ironically. But that doesn't mean that other people are wrong. Don't freak the fuck out. It's just, it's not for me. I don't get it. And it kind of insists upon itself, which is a bit obnoxious on my part. So you take Kenny Omega, that I don't really like, and Will Ospreay, that I don't really know. Throw them into the Scotiabank Arena in Toronto at the Forbidden Door uh, event. I want to see that match again. I do. I do. That mat was painted. If you guys follow me on social media, you would have seen the pictures that I took from that match. The mat was absolutely painted with both of these guys' blood by the end. I haven't gone back to rewatch it because the vision of seeing it live from my 300-section seat is still seared in my brain. If I, who doesn't know much about Will Ospreay and doesn't really like Kenny Omega, can look at this and say, why aren't we doing Ospreay versus Omega again? Why can't AEW listen to their actual fans that wanted Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay again at this show. I don't get it. And I feel shit saying that because Jericho's awesome. Jericho will make this awesome. I think it's funny that ever since he got rid of the Jericho Appreciation Society uh, iconography in his uh, opening banner, I, it's not a Titan Tron because they're not Titan Sports, but on the uh, Tron when he comes out, it's just all his different nicknames, the Demo God, the Lionheart, the, the Ocho, the, the, uh, the Pain Maker, and all the, this type of thing. It's what Chris Jericho is in Titantron form. <laughs> like, the guy can be anything. There's very few people, there's very few people that, I will say, could come out as a different character any night of the week, and I would believe it. I used to say it about Triple H a lot, and this this is something I, I said with Triple H towards the later ends of his career before he retired. He could come out at the beginning of an episode of Raw in the DX gear, coming out to the DX music, riding out on the mini tank, throwing the glow sticks into the crowd with a big water gun telling everybody to suck his cack. And he could still come out at the end of the night with King of Kings playing with a sledgehammer and crush somebody's skull. And you would believe both of those parts equally because he could turn that switch. The obvious comparison is Mick Foley. Another obvious comparison, although he's, again, not my favorite guy, is Cody Rhodes. Look at Dashing Cody Rhodes. Look at uh, Deranged Cody Rhodes. Look at Stardust, even though he didn't like the gimmick. Look at somebody like, and I'm sorry, we just lost him today, but look at somebody like Wyndham Rotunda slash Bray Wyatt, to go from Husky Harris to Bray Wyatt to Funhouse Bray to The Fiend to whatever this most recent reincarnation was. Jericho is is that in a very different way. It's not so much that he has different personalities. He's got one personality that's like a prism, and it sort of changes depending on how you look at it. This match will be great. I shouldn't be picking this apart. You took out somebody I don't like and put in somebody that I like. I don't, I don't know what this is. And everybody's pointed it out, but Don Callis tried to recruit Chris Jericho and already made a plan to attack him while he was trying to recruit him, which makes no sense... Like, there's too much Don Callis in this show, and he's involved in at least two of the matches, and I... It's all a mess. It's all a mess. I mean, Osprey's gonna win, I'm pretty sure. I'm becoming a fan of Osprey. I'm um, just putting it out there. I, I guess I owe that to AEW. AEW's one of those... Or, sorry, Will Ospreay's one of those guys that, hey, if there was an AEW, I wouldn't know who Will Ospreay was. I would have heard the name. I've heard the name for years. Um, I've heard... I still haven't seen it, but I've heard, like, almost folklore about matches that Will Ospreay's had with Ricochet. I, now that I see more about Will Ospreay, I'm more likely to look up that match. Have I looked up that match? No, but I'm more likely to now. Will Ospreay versus Chris Jericho is something that I should be climbing the walls for, but I'm not, because even I know that there's a better option that you could have done on this card, and that better option is somebody that I don't even like. I don't know what to say. There's there's nothing to say. There's absolutely... And all the Don Callis shit is just weird. 
he had to hop in one episode, not this past episode of Dynamite, but the, the episode of Dynamite beforehand, he had to operate, he had to hop, sorry, from turning on another one of his longtime friends in another segment to the segment where he turned on Chris Jericho with Will Ospreay. It's, 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 like, AEW has ADD Tourette's. Like, that's, I, I can't, I, the, there's nothing. What the fuck is this show? I'm gonna say it again. I mean, it's not a rematch, but this is the one match that I think everybody would have been happy with being a rematch. Hook versus Jack Perry is on the kickoff. I don't think anybody really cares. House of Black versus The Acclaimed and, and, and uh, Billy Gunn, it's a rematch. I think it's kind of whatever. Punk and Samoa Joe, you could have found something better to do with Punk. I'm sorry. No offense to Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe could have defended his title on this show, but that's not happening either. Let's get into... All right, let's get into this then. I just mentioned Kenny Omega. I might as well talk about this. Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, and Kanosuke Takeshita versus the... What? No, I've got that all fucked up. Sorry. Kota Ibushi, Kenny Omega, and Hangman versus Konosuke Takeshita and Bullet Club Gold's Juice Robinson and Jay White. Now, another one that's going to get me a lot of shit. Another one that's going to get me a lot of shit. Uh, AEW obviously has a cool relationship with New Japan. They integrate people from New Japan a lot, which is nice, which is cool, which is, you know, the fruits of a collaborative relationship like that. Uh, I used to see a lot of people from NXT and NXT UK at Destiny. Check it off your Smash Phoenix bucket list. It's fine. But here's the thing. I've been saying, I mean, okay, let's take this back a second. With all the backstage bullshit and everything that AEW did to CM Punk, let's be clear for a second. The match that everybody wants to see is the Elite versus CMFTR. The next best thing you can get to that is the Elite versus a couple of guys from CM Punk's show. Because let's be real, Collision is, you know, everything but said to be CM Punk's show. And there's positive reaction from the back in that as well. Uh, oh yeah, a couple of times every now and then there's a couple of people he doesn't want around because they cause shit. Oh dear, oh darn. What's that? Who's knocking at the door? The consequences of my actions. That's what that is. But, like, your layup, if you're not going to do the th the three members of the Elite versus CMFTR, which, god damn it, needs to happen at some point, even I'll admit it, the next best thing is to do all four members of the Elite versus Bullet Club Gold. Bullet Club Gold have found themselves on collision. So that's what the next best thing you could do, is that four-on-four four as a substitute. Now, I get that that can't quite happen, because the Bucks have maneuvered themselves into a much more important match that we're going to talk about later. So then, what do you do? You cut that in half. You do Omega and Hangman, I guess. I mean, Kenny Omega's good. I can't even say that I find Adam Page, like, remotely entertaining. If I put what I think about Kenny Omega aside, when I see him in the ring, he's still entertaining to me. I will, I, I will give him that distinction. I don't like you, but you're entertaining. Hangman's not even that to me. He's a drunk cowboy because he gets upset a bunch. Okay, that's that's an episode of Jerry Springer. That's not wrestling. But if you can't get four on four, the Elite versus Bullet Club Gold, do two on two, the Elite versus Bullet Club Gold. Do Kenny Omega and Hangman versus Juice Robinson and Jay White. I'd be down for that. Do Jay White versus Kenny Omega. I'd be down for that. But no, what it's done is it's done a very, very forbidden door thing, and you've taken a match that already kind of exists in the zeitgeist of AEW, and then you've gone, please take this how I mean it, and don't misquote me for the hell of it, uh, can we throw in a couple of guys from Japan? That's what this feels like. It, it does. It does. And I know the storyline driving thing is... Um, Again, Don Callis turned on Kenny Omega and Konosuke Takeshita. I really hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, because I think I threw in an extra syllable when I said it earlier. But Takeshita and Kenny Omega is the story. I get it, because Takeshita is the new chosen boy of Don Callis, and that's the story they're actually telling. But if you put Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, Juice Robinson, and Jay White in the same ring, those four personalities, well, three personalities and Hangman, that will be the story. The Don Callis thing will fade into the background until they decide to make it part of the story again. 
So it really does feel like you've taken a regular AEW tag match and, like I say, just, just th throw in some New Japan guys. And I know Kanosuke Takeshita isn't a New Japan guy. He's, like, proper AEW. But what's his name? Kota Ibushi's not. Is Ibushi's not all elite. Is he? Is he? Have I missed that? Is that that's just a thing? Because every time he shows up, oh my God, Kota Ibushi's here. You don't do that for somebody that works for the company. I'm pretty sure that this is going to set up uh, a match at All Out between the Elite and the Bullet Club Gold. Um, because the Bucks aren't involved in this, the Guns don't have a match on the card, so that's kind of a bummer. I like the Guns. They're coming into their own as well. Pretty sure Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, and Kota Ibushi, uh, or as they're listed on here, the Golden Elite. Is this is this to go up against Bullet Club Gold? I don't I don't know. Pretty sure they're gonna win because yeah, one of the EVPs of the company is on one of those teams. Moving swiftly on. It'll be great. I, I roll my eyes at some of it. Speaking of rolling my eyes, Darby Allen and Sting versus Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage with Prince Nana and Luchasaurus on the outside. How how does Luchasaurus not have a match at Wembley Stadium? How do you not have your big giant dinosaur? How do you not have your TNT Championship involved in this show? You don't have your uh, you don't have your international championship being defended on the show either. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, apparently, Ar Fox is one of the people that has travel issues. They wrote him out this week by kicking the shit out of him, and Darby Allen forgave him, even though he bloodied the hell out of who's the little Nick Wayne? Nick Wayne? Buddy Wayne's son, Nick Wayne. They bloodied the hell out of him like two weeks ago. It was, ah, we're all friends again. Cool, fine. I, I know the story has been all along that Darby Allen is kind of a loner until he gets himself into a multi-person situation and Sting comes and saves him. And everybody gets the spectacle of seeing Sting because you don't see Sting every week. And that's totally cool. Really would have loved to see Darby Allen in a singles. I know Darby Allen has a singles next week at All Out, and I'll probably talk about that as well. It's going to be Darby Allen taking on Luchasaurus. That's going to be a mess of a match. I mean that in a good way, that's going to be a mess of a match, because Luchasaurus is going to Luchasaurus, and Darby Allen going to Darby Allen. Um, I don't know. Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage? I, I, I got nothing. I never know what they're doing with Swerve, because they never ended the Swerve and Keith Lee thing. Uh, Christian Cage is more or less the manager of the champion that Darby's facing next week, and Sting is there so that Tony Schiavone can say, It's Sting! Uh, once again, pretty sure the faces are going to win. Actually, am I? Am I sure the faces are going to win? Maybe, maybe the heels win and Darby gets his comeuppance next week when he gets the TNT Championship off of Luchasaurus and Sting doesn't get any comeuppance because, I don't know, fuck him, he's old. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds really shit. Um, I don't know. Like, I, what the fuck is this show? <laughs> Again. And it's a coffin match. For reasons. Okay. Okay. Stadium Stampede. What are we doing here, folks? Stadium Stampede was created because there was nobody in the stadium at the time. There are matches where you can't possibly see everything that's going on. One of them is the Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble gets a pass. One of them is the Elimination Chamber, and I guess the Elimination Chamber kind of gets a pass. Hell in the Cell, especially when they decide to do spooky lighting. Um, has come under, like, scrutiny for that, but I always remember the Steel Asylum in, uh, in Impact, before Impact was Impact, when Impact was just TNA, and it was so, like, it was solid, and it was domed over, and you couldn't see shit. Now, the opposite of that is people not being in a cage, and people just being all over the damn place, and that's what Stadium Stampede is. I don't know how you don't make this a shitty viewing experience for the people in the building. Now, 
Your response to that is going to be, hey, Spaz, why, do you, why are you worried? You're not going to be in the building. Because I think about people other than myself, for one thing. Okay, there's going to be a big cutoff there, and I don't know exactly where the cutoff is, but I was talking before the cutoff about how you make this visual in, uh, in that big stadium. Because even watching on TV, you can only focus on a couple of people at once, and it's going to go all over the place because that was the, the whole shtick of the match when it was created. Now let's look at the participants. Eddie Kingston, who can fuck off. Orange Cassidy, who has a singles title that should be being defended right now. The Best Friends, who four years into AEW, I still don't know what I'm supposed to think about The Best Friends. Penta El Zero Miedo, and that's your five-man team. Taking on Blackpool Combat Clubs, John Moxley, Cla Claudio Castagnoli, Wheeler Yuta, and the returning Santana and Ortiz. So let's get the elephant out of the way. First, why is Penta El Zero Miedo there and not Ray Phoenix? Why is it not a six-person team? Why is it not a six-on-six, 12-man -six, match? Because apparently Ray Phoenix doesn't have his visa in order either. Now, ultimately, that's everybody's own business to, to handle their shit, right? But also, you're doing the biggest show your company has ever done. At the bare minimum, do you not see that everybody has their travel documents in order? TK, get off the cocaine. It's fine. Give it to the bear. At least we got a funny movie out of that. Anyways, so we had to write out Ray Phoenix on this past week's Dynamite, and he got the crap kicked out of him, and then they stuck a crowbar in his mask. It was fine. John Moxley taking on somebody as tiny as Ray Phoenix was just funny as well. I'm sorry. That's not how I should be receiving it, but this is, like, patchwork. All of this week's Dynamite was patchwork to make all the changes that they needed to make to these matches. Like AR Fox. Like the whole AR Fox, yeah, sure, you bloodied us up and left us all bleeding out for dead like two weeks ago, but that was two weeks ago. We're buddies again. Ray Phoenix got a crowbar in the eye. Now, it was the Blackpool Combat Club, John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, Wheeler Yuta, and they were supposed to find three friends. Now, because there's no more Ray Phoenix, those two friends are Santana and Ortiz. My question is, who was supposed to be that third guy? Who got dicked out of being able to perform at Wembley because AEW didn't make sure all their wrestlers have their travel shit in order. Honestly, honestly, I don't, and I don't know who you would have put in this position for the sixth member of the heel team, but, like, if you can't have Ray Phoenix, just throw Vikingo in there. Like, Vikingo has teamed with the Lucha Brothers before. The whole match is a thrown-together fucking mess. Uh, there are titles here that could be defended. Claudio Castagnoli is the ROH World Champion. Orange Cassidy is the um, is the AEW International Champion. I'm pretty sure somebody else in there is a champion of some description. Um, it's just a mess of people. This is the type of match that WWE would get shit on for because oh, you're just doing it because you know you, it, WWE put on the Battle Royal. WWE put on the what was it? The Slim Jim Battle Royal, so we could do some retro Macho Man stuff, and so that LA Knight could have a match on the card that he actually won because people were pissed off that he wasn't WrestleMania. That's fine. It, what did it do? It got like 20 or 30 people on the card that wouldn't have been on the card, and that and people are like, oh, that's cheap. Why wouldn't you find more things for these people to do? Why wouldn't you find something for these fucking 11 people to do. It's the same thing. It is the same thing. But it's AEW, so everybody gets away with it. Just throw Vikingo on there, and whoever the... Santana and Ortiz, like, who who else would their other partner have been? Bring in, like, Homicide or somebody. I The Stadium Stampede's match is lame. There's, like I said... There's at least two guys in this match that have titles that aren't getting defended on the show. And there's three other matches that I would have much rather seen on the show. Okay. I said it about Osprey and Omega, right? I don't like Omega. I really don't. But Osprey Omega 2 is something I would have watched, right? Eddie Kingston, for all the weird fucked up shit that he supports and believes, I know there's enough people out there that want to see another round of John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston. And I could have gotten away with that. I, I, I could have said, okay, fine, 
cool, whatever. Or you know what? Even like mess it all up. Do John Moxley and Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega and Eddie Kingston, or some nonsense like that. You could have done what they teased a couple weeks ago, which was John Moxley versus Orange Cassidy for that international championship. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's another thing that they're saving for All Out. But let's let's be that as it may. And I'm sorry because of like, especially because of now what we've seen with Ray Phoenix. Why can't we just have like a really cool hardcore match between John Moxley and Penta? I'd be down for that every single day of the week. If they had known ahead of time that Ray couldn't go, they could have scrapped this match. They could have done John Moxley versus Penta. There's three matches right there I've just given you. And once again, one of them is with somebody that I don't even like. But I'm like, there's enough people that would be down for that match as an alternative. There's two titles in this match, like I say, not being defended. Waving my hand around because there's, there's flies. Eating my dinner while I talk to you guys, by the way, if you couldn't tell. This... What the fuck is this show? <laughs> it's all I've got. It's all I've got. What do we do? What do we do? Fuck off, fly. All right. Let's talk about the women's match, because there's only one women's match. Because, of course, there's only one women's match. It's AEW. Hikaru Shida versus Tony Storm versus Soraya versus Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. I should be ecstatic about this match. I love everybody in this match. I really love Shida. Tony Storm is a fucking star. I've been saying that since the May Young Classic. Really, really biased towards Paige. And Britt Baker is the front woman of this division. Dr. Britt Baker getting back in the title picture, awesome. Paige slash Soraya getting her hands on a title, absolutely awesome. Tony Storm, who lost it weirdly to Karushita seemingly randomly on that one episode of Dynamite, fine, whatever, but Tony Storm's doing this weird, like, diva pastor prime thing on Rampage, so the rumors are that she's going to be pulling away from from the, uh, what are they called? From the Outcasts, which is fine, I guess Tony Storm versus Soraya is a feud we could do. Soraya versus Britt Baker is something we could re sort of revisit, whatever. Now, cool match. Any two of these in a singles match would have been better. I think. I think you could do Sheeta versus Baker and then have something between the outcasts that splits the outcasts up and you could have just done Tony Storm versus Soraya. I think that's a match that stands on its own. I think you could have had more than one women's match on your Wembley Stadium pay-per-view. But here's the thing as well. This There was a tournament, and if you can't see me, but I'm using the tightest air quotes possible, tournament to get into this four-way match. Now, Tony Storm got a bye because she got a rematch with Hikaru Shida, who had just beaten her for the title. I would buy that if the champion didn't have to beat Anna Jay to get into this match. And then Soraya and Britt Baker had meaningless matches with Sky Blue and the Bunny to get into this match as well. You could have just said, these are the four hottest women in the division right now, we're going to give them this match on this great stage, which is fine. Like, don't get me wrong, Anna J, Sky Blue, the Bunny, all very, I hate to say it like this, very functional, very absolutely fine wrestlers. Um... Anna Jay and the Bunny are both kind of crazy. Sky Blue is the... Sky Blue kind of makes me think of Roxanne Perez, although I'm sure Roxanne Perez has a lot more experience, but they have that same sort of um, plucky underdog, bulldog in the fight type of, uh, type of uh, aura about them. Now, Sheeta comes and goes from AEW. I don't know what the reasoning is behind that. Tony Storm... Huge fan of, but she's already had the title. Dr. Britt Baker, like I said, is sort of the front woman of the company, so her getting the title back would would be almost fitting. I think she's worn every... Somebody correct me down in the box below. I'm sure you will. I think she's worn every version of the belt. Because wasn't there... There was the little tiny one that looked like a watch, uh, and then they gave it to Nyla Rose, which was just hysterical. Um, then there was the slightly bigger version of that, and then there's the one that they have now, which is sort of the same template as they used for the International Championship back when it was the Atlantic Championship, I think. Um, I really want Soraya to win. <laughs> like, Britt Baker makes sense. Tony Storm wants to get it back. Hikaru Shida is one of the highest looked-upon women in the division. I really want Soraya to win it, though. 
I, I'm going to go with my gut on that one. Didn't make any sense how we got there. It was kind of insulting to the intelligence that they pretended to have a tournament where one of the competitors got a buy, but the champion had to win to get in. I'm going to hit that over the head once again. But it is what it is, and that's the only women's title match on the card, which is a bummer, because as I said, they're not representing the ROH titles on this on this card very much. We're going to get to that one in a second. But there was a big bad rumor about um, Athena, who's kicking ass in ROH, uh, from what I've heard. Anybody that I've ever heard say anything good about the current iteration of ROH basically has said Athena's carrying that show. And I believe it. Ember Moon... I'm a WWE guy, I was especially an NXT guy, but they never used her to her full potential when she was Ember Moon, I could admit that. But there was an idea floating around out there, I don't know where, whether it came from her, whether it came from somebody else, that she wanted to go champion versus champion with Chris Statlander, who's the current TBS champion. That would have been fucking awesome. But no, that would mean having two women's matches on the card, and Tony Khan can't handle that. That's fine. Let's talk about other titles. Let's talk about the AEW Championship. Let's talk about... Or, sorry, AEW Tag Team Championships. FTR versus the Young Bucks, which is for a lot of people like the gold standard of tag team wrestling. Because these are the two teams that are fighting for the best tag team in the industry. And I'm sorry, you can say you're fighting to be the best tag team in AEW. I would almost buy that. But if you're going to have a conversation about who the best tag team in the industry right now is and not include the Usos, you're lying. You are lying. To yourself, to anybody within the sound of your voice, you are lying. Now, FGR vs. The Young Bucks is another one of those ones like Osprey Omega, like Kingston vs. Moxley, that everybody wants to see. I get it. I have my opinions of the Young Bucks. They go very, very hand-in-hand hand with my opinions of, of Kenny Omega. But that aside, nobody's going to say that this match is bad. By any stretch of the imagination, is anybody going to say this match is bad? No, they're not. They're absolutely not. Um, they're calling it round three between the two of them, but I think, didn't they fight before? I don't know. No, because Revival were in WWE before they came to AEW, so maybe they didn't. I don't know. They kind of had to make up a reason to fight this week on Dynamite, because FTR are already the champions, and they just kind of came out randomly on Collision and said, we really gotta finish our stuff with the Bucks. In other words, you know people want to see FTR versus the Bucks, so you kind of had to pretend that you really had a problem with the Bucks. And then this week on Dynamite, they really pretended that they had a problem with each other where you could have just you could have just left it as... I mean, AEW does it enough. You could have just left it as a fight graphic and said, yeah, we're going to do FTR Young Bucks 3 at all in. And that could have been absolutely fine, but whatever. Now, what do I want to say about Cash Wheeler? Cash Wheeler. I like FTR, The Revival, whatever the case may be. There was a golden age of NXT. I talk about it a lot, and it kind of revolved around DIY, American Alpha, and The Revival. I mean, Authors of Pain were there too, but Authors of Pain were very different, and Street Profits came along later, and, you know, realistically, The Undisputed Era came along later. Um... Cash Wheeler apparently got arrested for threatening use of a firearm, some road rage incident, whatever. Now, if this was anybody else in any other company leading to any other card and any other match, the entire universe would be imploding that he's still on the card. I'm happy that he's still on the card, by the way. But if it was anybody else, or if the Revival were in WWE right now, It'd get shit on, it'd get booed out of the building, it'd get this, that, the next thing. But because it's the match, in tight air quotes, um, it's the tag team match that AEW can give you, and it's one of the crowning achievements other than the main event, 
of this show, of this big spectacle, of this 80-whatever-thousand-seat arena that nobody ever told AEW they could do. Meanwhile, they're tarping off the buildings for their weekly shows for the last, like, six months. Don't worry about it. Don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. I don't want this match to get cancelled. I want to see this match. I can't stand the Bucks. I'm going to watch this match, hoping that Dax Hardwood and Cash Wheeler put their feet through these guys' faces. But I want to watch that match so that I can watch those feet go through those faces. So there is some credit to towards the Bucks in there somewhere. Now, now, what did I say about the trios match with, with the Elite and the Bullet Club Gold? One side's going to win because one side's got an EVP on it. One side's going to win this match because one side has two EVPs on it. There's not a chance in hell FTR are walking out of, of uh, London with those titles, is there? Is there? Get down in the box and, and predict me if I'm wrong. Now, usually I would say there's a 50-50 chance, because there's always a 50-50 chance with a box match. I go back to the tournament to crown the very first uh, AEW Tag Team Champions, which ended up being SCU, which was not predicted. One of them won with no shoes on. It's fine. Don't worry about it. In the first match, what happened? They lost to Private Party. Oh, look at that. The Bucks lost to Private Party. They put over Private Party. This is a big moment for Private Party. No, it was a big moment to say, Oh, look at that. Look how nice the Bucks are. It didn't do anything for Private Party. What's Private Party doing now? Half of Private Party is tagging along with the Hardys and Ethan Page. And the other half is I don't even know where. So, any other time, I would have either said, The Bucks are going to win this or they're going to lose it in such a way that still makes them the talking point, which is kind of obnoxious. There's no way, there's no way that the Bucks are losing this match. And I say that through gritted teeth, because FTR are, are better than the Bucks. You might say, oh, they're not better, they're just a different style. No, they're better. Because the better wrestler is the wrestler, and the better wrestler is not the gymnast. And yes, Come at me. Try to come at me with a hypocrite argument because I'm a Hardys fan. Try it. I dare you. I absolutely dare you. Because the guys that you love looked up to the guys that I still love, that everybody loves to shit on these days. So what does that say? What form of circular logic are you using now? I would really love to think that FTR are going to win this. But they're not. The, the elite are sweeping this show, and that's one of 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 a hundred other things that are wrong with this card, uh, the elite are going to sweep this. They are. They they absolutely are. Um, if I'm wrong, I'll shave my head. <laughs> oh, this is not a video medium, so you guys don't realize how funny that is. Anyways, so let's talk about the top and tail of this match now. You got MJF versus Michael. Or sorry, Michael Cole. What the fuck? I'm very tired. MJF versus Adam Cole for the AEW World Championship. But first, they're coming out on the kickoff against Aussie Open for the ROH Championship. Or for the ROH Tag Team Championships, rather. So, I know they're just meant to be a cog in the wheel of the main event storyline. I get that. But in principle, on paper, we're defending the ROH Tag Team titles. Right? On the, on the AEW show. So why are we not defending the ROH Women's Championship? Why are we not defending the ROH Championship? Why are we not defending the ROH TV Championship? Make CM Punk versus Samoa Joe title versus title, whatever the case may be. Why are we not defending the ROH Pure Championship? Why are we not defending the, the TBS, the TNT, the International? Like, it's the AEW show where a whole lot of... Hey, technically, we're defending the FTW title. We're defending the FTW title and the ROH tag titles. And there's so many titles left. Oh, yeah, but they've got the, the pay-per-view coming up next week. Okay. The quality of this card does not depend on what's happening next. Just like, just like, the quality of a WrestleMania will not be determined by what cool match is on Raw the next night, either. So yes, I'm applying it equally, but it doesn't work. Anyways, here's what I would really like to see. Everybody thinks that it's going to be 
you know, MJF versus Cole. They're going to try and fail to get the ROH tag titles. The Aussie Open guys are going to have a good night. They're going to defend against the world title holder and the and the world title number one contender. And then somewhere along the way, MJF is going to turn on Adam Cole. He's going to be the heel. Adam Cole's going to be the conquering babyface. And that's absolutely fine. Tell you what I would like to see instead. This is just one idea that I had kicking around. We already saw it when they went up against FTR. Max is turning into a good guy, and we don't know if it's real, and we don't know this, that, and the next thing. We think he's about to turn on Adam Cole, whose head has been turned by the fake story of the turning of MJF. But when we when they faced FTR, they, lo they ended up losing the match because MJF took a bullet for Adam Cole, and that ended up costing them the match. What if MJF is actually the good guy? What if MJF is actually the good guy, and he takes the bullet for Adam Cole again, because it's Adam Cole that wanted to go for the ROH tag titles because of his history with ROH, which is fine. That bit of the, that bit of the story, I don't mind. Anybody else, it would have been like, okay, you're going for like a consolation prize tag team title. Let's be real for a second. ROH is AEW's NXT, but with his history with ROH, I get it. That That's an absolutely cool thing, but if... MJF goes to take the bullet for Adam Cole again, does it again, costs them these titles as well, and Adam Cole turns on him. He goes heel. If Adam Cole is the one that turns, that means MJF is the one that doesn't. And then all of a sudden, all the pretending to be good that MJF's been doing all the way along becomes real. And MJF sort of kicks Adam Cole in the nuts and walks away, but it's not hey, hey, I kicked you in the nuts because I'm a heel after all. It's, I kicked you in the nuts with no celebration and just walked away. And then you have newly heel Adam Cole versus brand new baby face in pain MJF in the main event. If he goes on to win that, he gets cheered more than anybody else in this company ever has. If he loses nuclear heat on Adam Cole, that's how I would do it. I don't think that's how it's going to go. Like I said, ultimately, who wins this match is a toss-up for me. I, I talked about it during the CM Punk Samoa Joe match. CM Punk's going to hold on to the real-world title until there's some kind of unification. Now, I'm going to reiterate what I said before. I want to see an Adam Cole versus CM Punk match. But for the unification story to work, it kind of has to be MJF. This is the only match that's not full of nonsense. This is the only match that's not full of nonsense. Uh, it's, it's also the match I'm super looking forward to. I did not know Adam Cole when he was in the Bullet Club. I did not know Adam Cole when he was in ROH. I did not know Adam Cole when he was on the Indies. I know the leader of the Undisputed Era. I know the guy that walked into NXT every single time and his music started with shock the system. I would really love to see him shock the system and become AEW champion. The fact that it doesn't make any sense for the CM Punk story, be damned. Adam Cole, proper, like, grit your teeth, heal Adam Cole, leaves with that championship. That's what I would like to see. But I don't think that's going to be the case. The other, the other way you could go is that Adam Cole and MGF both stay babyface. We, f we figure out that he had a plan with Roderick Strong that was going to be like, hey, gather up a bunch of friends in case MJF turns on me, and then when they come to actually do the plan, Adam tries to stop them, and then you get the kingdom versus better than you, baby, which is another cool story you could do, but that gets a little bit messy. That gives us another, I don't know, four, six weeks of storyline before the next pay-per-view or whatnot. This, yeah, but Adam Cole, MJF, awesome. House of Black versus Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed, uh, messy rematch. CM Punk versus Samoa Joe, we could have done way better. Will Ospreay versus Chris Jericho, we could have done way better. The stadium stampede is just an ugly pile of people that doesn't really make any sense. The trios is kind of an ugly pile of people that doesn't make any sense. The coffin match is a weird match that doesn't make any sense. The four-way women's match is just the spitballing that Tony Khan did because he knows he needs to put at least one women's match on the card. 
FTR versus the Young Bucks will be great. The wrong team will win and everybody will love it, which will kind of make me sad. Hook's probably going to get his FTW title back and Taz is probably going to do something. So once again, one last time before I leave you, before my voice leaves me. Lost my voice at SmackDown, lost my voice at the Destiny show the next night. So there's not very much of it left. So I'm going to say it one last time. Guys, this is a big show, but what the fuck is this show? I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I'll talk to you soon. Let's do later, but right now, tag me.